Honesty, but man, what an honor it is to be here. Pastor, um, who I love you, first of all, incredible man, um, asked us a question that really, if I'm going to be honest with you, has been in my heart and in my mind all year so far, and that is, what is God really speaking to your spirit this season? And so tonight, I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about filling season. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get full. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn them on or turn in them to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then Elisha said, then, then he said, go borrow the vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbor, neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour into all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5 says, so she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, somebody say full. When the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel left. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell all of your oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. I want to preach on this thought today, filling season. This is a filling season. How about I pray for you and you pray for me? Does that sound good? Oh, come on now. Y'all better wake up. They said, does that sound good? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, bless this house. Bless everything that we do. God, bless all these people who are in the room. Lord, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to what you have to say tonight. Lord, let this be a night of filling, a night of of just, just power poured out in this house. God, we're believing you for it. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. This, this chapter opens this scene where the wife of a prophet, she comes to Elisha and she explains to him this predicament that she's in. I don't know about you, but there's not been many times in my life where someone's tried to take my children. Uh, Judah's only seven months. I think sometimes when he's screaming, the only person that takes him, I just hand him to Emily, just take him. I don't. I don't know what to do with him. But here you have a really, to be honest, a serious scenario. Here a creditor comes, this woman, her, her husband, who has in this time has been her livelihood up to now for her and her family. The creditor comes and he says, I want your house. Can I tell you, the enemy, he attacks you at your greatest point of impact. Your greatest point of impact. The creditor could have came to take the lazy boy the house, the dog, he could have taken whatever, but what does he choose to do? He chooses to take her legacy, the very thing that, that you can't put a price on, the life of your children, the life of your future beyond your name, beyond your moment, and that is why we as staff have been just begging you to not miss a week of five things to keep your family together because whether you realize it or not, there is a war over your home. There's a war over your house, there's war over your children, over their futures, over everything that they're going to do. And if you're not paying attention, the creditor will come to take from you what matters most. 
The enemy knows that there is potential in this strong family. We know that. We've seen the stats. We've seen the success stories. But yet, somehow we're blind to what the enemy's trying to do. And so we think he's coming after my pride. He's coming after these things. But what he wants to do is take your family and take your influence as the leader in your home. He's not after your pride. Your pride doesn't scare him. He's not after your 401k. Some, that may scare you, but it doesn't scare him. But what he's after is what he knows the power of a family that's unified. Because I believe that it's unity that scares the enemy. He knows that if his church can get a hold of this concept of being one in power, and if it can start in a home, then it will become this unstoppable avalanche of God's power that's going to sweep this nation. But it's going to start in your home. And many of us are blind to what he's trying to do and blind to the things. And so tonight I want you to just begin to open your ears and your minds and your hearts. Pay attention to what's happening with your children. Pay attention to those things. Because if you can get a hold of that, then God will not only bless your family, but he'll bless your children and your grandchildren and legacy on and on. I don't want to be guilty of being blind to the very thing the enemy's been attacking me with the whole time. Wasted energy. Elisha then, he asked her this one question. He says, hey, what do you have in your house? And look at the way she responds. She says, nothing except, I don't know, maybe a little jar of oil. You know, like nothing, I guess. Maybe there's this jar, this tiny little jar somewhere in a pantry. If you're in my house, there's not a whole lot in the pantry outside of rice and like brown sugar. I don't even know what the brown sugar is for, but it's in there, Right? <laughs> We got seasonings I've never used. Now, I sure can't find pepper anywhere, but by God, we got cumin. And uh, <laughs> You know, I think it's really easy to get to the place where you discount what you already have. When was the last time you took inventory of everything that God has placed in your life? Not just items, but people relationships, opportunities. When was the last time you sat back and you looked at what you have in your life and what you don't have? Notice that she answers this question almost forgetting about this little jar of oil because it's so insignificant to her. It doesn't matter. It's not very big. You can't really do a whole lot with that oil. It's just there. That's all that it is. It's so small, she almost just forgets about it. Be careful how you talk about the things that God's placed in your life. Can I tell you, be careful about the people that God's placed in your life and how you speak about them. Because here's what I know about God is that just for fun, he will use the smallest person, the smallest things in your life to have the biggest change. He'll use the person that you brushed aside on the side of the highway, that coworker that you find super annoying and never talk to. He'll use those people to bring about change in your life. He'll use those people to bring about significance in your life. So you need to be careful how you talk about the small things that God's placed in your life because he placed them there. And God does not operate in this realm of no purpose, of dysfunction, without a plan. God knows what he's doing. He knows who he's placed in your life. He knows what he's put there. And it's up to you and I to trust him. And he will use those small people. Why is it important that you have to have a Christian witness? Because you never know who you're going to run into. My man Jody, I could have brushed you off, man, when you tried to shake my hand. And been like, I'm busy. It's Wednesday night. I'm busy trying to do what the Lord's got me to do. 
but I didn't know that shaking your hand that I was going to just that five seconds was going to be so empowering to me in this moment. Small people, small things matter because the details matter to the father. Yeah, it was a small jar, you know. Yeah, she almost forgot about this little thing that she locked away in this pantry. But can I tell you what? It's not about the size of the jar or what it is. It's about what's inside of that jar. And inside of that jar was oil. Oil. You know, I'm from the great state of North Carolina. Come on, somebody. It's a great place. Whoop, whoop. North Carolina folks in the house. There are some things that are sacred when you're from North Carolina, okay? First one is Krispy Kreme. All right. My God, my God. And some of you are in here like, ew, I like Dunkin'. You know what? You need to get saved. <laughs> yeah, you probably got an Android phone right now, I bet. Right now. We call you out. We'll have a deliverance line. Man, Krispy Kreme, don't talk about Krispy Kreme in a bad way. You can talk about it in a good way. And then I think it's fried food. Fried food is just, the state fair is a big deal in North Carolina. And we don't just like fried chicken. We fry everything. Like they got fried Coke. They got fried donuts that have already been fried. They got fried Sprite. They got fried. How many of you ever had a fried candy bar? Come on, my God, he's in it. He's in it. Like things just taste better when you cook them in oil, right? They just taste better fried. Where are my people that your grandma used to, she had a skillet that only cooked fried chicken. You know what I mean? Like. She didn't use it for nothing else. Don't whip it out to make some eggs. And she didn't fry it in some peanut oil. She used Crisco. Come on. My God. Food's just better fried. Here's what I know about when you cook with oil, right? You, you put it in the pan, and it keeps you from burning whatever it is you're trying to do. And when you put that oil in there, that chicken starts to fry and the thing, everything, you eggs frying, bacon frying, whatever it is going on in there, it just has this aroma, right? just smells good when you use that oil. But you know what's funny is like before that oil even gets in the pan to do its job, that oil came from an olive and uh, there's only one way to get it out, right? It's to press it. It's to crush it. Somewhere there's a whole trash can full of beat up olives. I mean, they're just crushed. They're broken. They're squeezed out. There's only one way to get the oil, and that's to go through this crushing time, this crushing, like, squeezing to get the good stuff. What does that have to do with us? You might have had some moments in your life where you've been crushed. Come on. You might have had some moments in your life that were bad baggage. You might have had some moments, some people in your life that stepped on you, that tried to snuff the life out of you. But hear me out when I say this. It's not about what they did to you. Because what you've been carrying around, that pain, that pain, that issue, that is the very thing that God is going to use. What crushed you is going to be what makes you. It's going to be what he cooks with. It's going to, where's my people that have been through a few things in this house today? Come on. What you did doesn't define you, but what you did is what you're going to use. It's what you're going to use to share what God did in your life. It's what God's going to use to pour out on his people. And that same pain is what's going to allow you to be used by God. The same thing that you've locked away in a pantry, that you've locked away in a closet, you've assumed is just insignificant, is significant to God. Do not discount what God is trying to pour out. Because that's what he wants to do with your life and your experiences. And the very thing you locked away and considered insignificant. The oil to her was just a jar. But you know what's wild? Is that she already had the answer inside of her house. 
She comes up to him. She's like, I, I need you to save me. I need you to help me pay my bills. Stop the creditor from stomping out my legacy. And the first response is not what I would have said. He says, hey, you know what? What's in your pantry? Like, well, I don't, are you hungry? Like, there's some tortillas in there. I don't know, you know. And I think that, that that's what throws her off, right? She's like, I mean, nothing except this little jar of oil. This little jar of oil, can I tell you what? You're already carrying what you need to bring about God's promise in your life. God already put in you the gifting. God already put in you the talent. God already put in you the ability. It is up to you to remind yourself that you still have it, that it's up to you to unlock it. It's up to you to access it. It's up to you to take it and pour out the gift that God put in your life on exactly what it is he's asked you to do. But many of us just look at our giftings in our life as just this insignificant little jar of oil. But when God sees you, he sees a return on his investment. He sees exactly what it is he put on you. He knows you by name. And if you're in here tonight and you're saying, you know, I just don't have a whole lot to offer the Lord. Can I tell you what? You have more than you know. There's more in that jar than you think. And it just, it's not just oil. It's the anointing. It's God's presence. It's his power. You need that oil. You need to be reminded that the crushing season did not crush you. That's what this is a symbol of. Is yes, this, this was a crushing time. Yes, this drew out of you something you didn't know in, was inside of you. But that's, that's not the end of it. Now that pain has purpose. And when you put purpose in your life, you begin to walk in the favor of God. You begin to walk in the things that he labeled and left out for you to do from the beginning. But you have to discover that even though you've had pain, that there's still purpose. That even though somebody walked all over you, there's still hope. That God's not discarding you as bad luggage or rotten groceries. He's trying to show you that inside of you is exactly what he's wanted to pour out this whole time. Don't discount what God's already put inside of you. It matters. It matters. It matters so much to the kingdom. You know, I think many of us, we're trying to go through this. We, we, we read about the spiritual gifts, right? And we want to operate in this, this, and that. And so we're trying to create and do these different things and trying to preach like somebody, teach like somebody, prophesy like somebody. You know, we're just, we're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to do that. But here, here's the thing. I believe God's waiting on you to trust the uniqueness he made you to be. And the kingdom is waiting on you to trust yourself. And to trust that despite what all the hell you've been through, there's still a plan. There's still a plan. Sometimes, sometimes I think you have to shut the door to distraction. My God, I'm one of those people that it takes about three seconds to get me off task. You know what I mean? It takes, my wife's like, yes, yes. You know, like it's like squirrel, you know, like it just in the instant you're like, ah, you know. Um, sometimes I look really mad and then all of a sudden I'm like, and you know, like it's just the distraction set in. Sometimes I think the most distracting thing in our life is, is not squirrels or a TV, not even our phones. I think, I think some of the most distracting things in our life are the voices that we choose to put in our ears of people who are not invested in our future. Can I tell you, sometimes you need to shut the door to the haters. 
You need to shut out those those people who you think are significant but want nothing significant for you. You need to shut out the anxiety agitators. You need to shut out the people who are trying to drown your hope and drown your vision. Get away from somebody that can't celebrate something good in your life, okay? Don't. Fastest way to get on my not friend list is to try and one-up something that the Lord just blessed me with. Like, you ever just been like, you know what, yeah, you know. I got blessed with a great Christmas bonus. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, the Lord blessed me with winning the lottery. Who cares? Oh, you know what? Go on. We know that's a lie. Stop playing tithe. We'll see if it's true. Get away from people whose opinion just drowns out the opinion of the Father. Get away from people who don't want you to see the potential locked inside of your little jar in a closet. Get away from people who want to label you by what you used to do, not what you're going to do. Get away from people who can't see the potential that God's already placed in your life. But you have to shut the door. You have to shut the door to the enemy who's come to steal that legacy. But many of us, we don't. We leave the door open. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've, I've talked to that's been like, I just want, um, I, want to, I want to see God do these things. I want to see God perform miracles and those kinds of things. The Lord, what the Lord really wants you to do is to just listen. But you ain't shut the door to distraction. You're up here looking for God. He's been talking in your ear for 33 years. But you don't, you can't, you're ready to see it, but not hear it. It's, there's times in our life where we have to shut out every other noise but him. We have to shut out every other voice but him because there's going to come a moment in your life where God's going to ask you to do something that everyone else is going to tell you is crazy. I did it. I sold a business, and I moved 486 miles away to Cleveland, Tennessee, and I didn't go home for three years. And people told me that was the dumbest thing I ever did. But you know what I did? I sobered up, and I found my calling. Look at me now. So if I have sat there and listened to them, who knows what I've been doing? God is calling you to do great things, but many of us can't hear his voice above all the other voices. You have to realize who belongs in your life and who doesn't because you cannot defeat the devil if you continue to entertain him. I, I don't know why, you know, my kids are having these nightmares and things like that going on, but we're watching like horror movies and all this other stuff. Like, I don't know why they're scared of the dark. Well, I got a couple ideas, you know, I'm not a scientist. Man, we just, it, it doesn't, like, we, we will entertain the very thing that we're asking God to cast out. Come on. Because we think we can do both. But you can't. It's one or the other. It's either you commit to what he's saying and you remove those distractions or you just go on with the distractions and you sit on the bench and watch everybody else walk in their calling and hit the home runs for the kingdom. You can't defeat the devil while you're still entertaining him. The fourth thing. God pours out according to the level we prepared. I love how Elisha just like sends her kids on a mission. He's like, go to your neighbors, find every jar that you can find. I mean, if a kid came running to my door, was like, I need a jar. You need to leave. That's what I would have said. You just rang the doorbell, woke my son up. Go house to house, find a jar. My mom, she used to can everything, so she had a closet full of jars. They had to hit a home run. They had walked into her house. I'm these, like, mason jars from floor to ceiling next to the pickles and the tomatoes. And all. Where are my country folk at up in here? Come on. Your grandmama used to can up in here. Never was short of food. They had to come to her house. They had made out like a bandit. 
So he says, hey, go to every house, gather every jar. And so they go and they gather jars and things. But, but you know what? There gets to be this point um, where the oil stops, right? She pours and pours and pours, and it just keeps going and going and going. And then all of a sudden she's like, hey, give me another jar. And the kids are like, mom, that's it, man. That's all we, that's all we got. Can I tell you, you get exactly what you expect. And don't expect a hundred jar miracle and collect five jars. Many of us, we want to see God do the miraculous things in our life, but we have not, we have not emptied enough jars in our house to contain that oil. Many of us want to walk in the calling of ministry. We have not emptied enough of our own selves to make room for his anointing and make room for that. Because hear me out, the anointing costs what it costs. It never goes on sale. It is what it is. It, 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 it's expensive. And many of us, we've come, and, and I talked about this in the 21 days or in that five on five. I said, you know, many of us in this next season are coming to God wanting to receive the blessing everyone else is receiving, and they got this bucket, you know, they got a trough. They're like, Lord, pour it out. And you're coming in with like this sippy cup, like this tall little mocha cup, and you're like, God, pour it out. And he pours just a little bit, and you're like, well, that was deflating. Because you didn't prepare. Can, can I tell you what? It's, 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 not, it's not about God's ability to give. It's about your capacity to receive. And many of us, we ask God for things. We ask God for things that we have not prepared for. We have not prepared for. And if I'm going to be real honest with you, a lot of my life um, was lived uh, in the procrastination phase. Where are my procrastinators at? Come on. <sighs> stress, my, stress my family out all the time. If, if the bill was due on the 4th, it got... It got delivered on fourth and a half. You know what I mean? Like, is it 430? Because that's when I'm going to pay it. You're like, four, they close at five? Like, that's when I'm going to do it. Like, all my life is lived, like, waiting and procrastinating. But can I tell you what? I, could, I realized one thing. If I was going to lead the way the Lord wanted me to lead, it was going to require of me something that I didn't have already, and that was preparation. And that's how we are. We're like, God, give me the platform. Give me those things. But we don't even know how the platform's built. Come on, but we want to stand on it. We want a microphone, but we, you won't catch us serving, right? People come to me and they tell you, hey, I've got these giftings and I want to do these things. I say, great, why don't you get plugged in and serve somewhere? Well, that's not really what the Lord's gifted me. Well, then the Lord washed people's feet, so I guess he wasn't gifted in preaching either. I believe God wants to pour out on you his blessing. I believe he wants to pour out on you his favor. I believe God wants to pour out on you that very power that we preach about and we preach with and we talk about. We see God do the miraculous, but it's up to you on how much of that you receive because God will not pour out his spirit where it is not wanted. And this house is a house that wants his encounter. This next season, you know, I know we've saved from the microphone, and there's people I know you've got that vibe of he's just saying that because he's the leader here, and, and this 2019 is going to be the best year yet. Yeah, I heard that in 18, 17, 16, 15, 14. But tonight was proof, baby. Are you coming in here with a little cup to catch what God's doing, or are you coming in here with a bucket? Where are my trough people at that are like, Lord, pour it out. If you're going to pour the favor out, pour it out on me. Pour
pour the anointing out on me. Pour my, let my family be in this house experiencing what I'm experiencing. Come on. You've got to have a desire for God to do what it is he's wanting to do. He's not just going to do it just because. He always comes where he's wanted. But many of us, many churches in America are declining because there is not a want and a desire for the supernatural move of God. There's not a want and a desire for God to remove the very things we're comfortable with and the very devils that we're entertaining. There's no desire for that. So heaven is shut up. She received exactly what she had prepared for. Not only did God provide for her current needs. That's what I love about this. Man, this, the best part of this story is the last verse. He says, go sell you know, what you got, pay off your debts, and go ahead on and live off the rest. God, he didn't provide just for her current needs, but for her future needs as well. And that's what I love about God is he does exceedingly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. Come on. Anybody ever ask God for something he gave you more? I asked God for just a wife, you know, but I got, son, I got a cream of the crop, baby. Cream of the crop. I wonder this question, though. How much more could God pour out in our lives if we were willing to believe him for the greater things? How much more would God pour out on this church if we were willing to believe for greater things? Greater salvations? Because here's, here's, here's the kind of pastor that you serve under. Is he could have shut baptism off at the end and just said, all right, well, we're good. But baby, there's a desire to see God do more. And if he's willing to just linger just a little bit more and touch somebody's heart just a little bit more, we're going to keep the troughs open, baby, until they come. This is a house that wants more, that desires more of God, the, the, the amount of people. This is a house where the energy is hot and God's presence is moving. You can't tell me God's presence is not moving when we had over 100 people a day during 21 days praying at 6 a.m. You can't tell me 250 people a Saturday coming out to just experience God in a new way for first prayer, first Saturday prayer. She didn't ask for it, but he still gave it, baby. She didn't ask for excess. She just asked for a specific need. But in one act, God secured both her her, her legacy and her future. He, he secured her children and he secured, they, they retiring, baby, on this one. He cashed a check so big, she just went ahead on and lived off of it. Where's my people that are just wanting to cash something the Lord's trying to give them? Let me live off that favor, God. Let me live off that anointing. Let me live off that passion. Let me live off that blessing, God. Let my kids live off of it. Let my grandkids walk in my anointing. Let it just pour and flow on their life. I'm not just asking God for me. I'm asking him for them and for those that will follow behind them. I'm not just asking God to shake this church while I'm here. But man, what a legacy if we could pinpoint like Azusa back in the day where we know God poured his spirit out and he's fixing to do it in 2019 and this is the house to be in. Congratulations, you walked in it. She might have shut the door in need, but baby, she opened the door fulfilled. And I feel that tonight that some of you are going to come to God's presence and you've come in this house full of need. And God's saying, shut the door to the distraction. Shut the door to your lack of faith. Shut the door to the creditor and watch me dump out on you everything that you needed from day one. It was obedience to the word of God that produced the excess. And it will be our obedience that opens the door to the incredible that I believe we'll walk in. 
There is an uncommon anointing on this house. And it's been on this house for 33 years. And it'll be here for 333 more if the Lord tarries. Why? Because we're willing to accept everything that he has for us in our life. I'm going to ask Micah to come back up. You know, I just begin to think about that. Lord, have you ever thought about this? How much trouble you could have gotten out of if you just had a little more faith in what you asked God for? You know, I'm like, Lord, pay the light bill. And he's just like, do you want me to pay all the bills? You can just ask, you know. Lord, just save my children. What about just saving them and calling them into ministry? How about that? Let's just go a step further. Let's, Lord, heal my son. Don't just heal him. Make him just, make him never sick again. If you want a next level experience with God, it will require a next level desire and passion. You cannot expect to experience from God what you're not willing to ask him for. So tonight, I want you to just take inventory of where you are. What are you asking of him? Are you asking him to just save your marriage in this moment, or are you asking him to make it bulletproof? Are you asking him to heal the flu symptoms that you got? Are you asking him to remove the cancer, the line of cancer from your entire family? Because what I love what Pastor said just a few weeks ago, that simple prayers are not necessarily safe prayers. And if we're going to sit here and ask God to move, then we have to be willing to move out every piece of garbage that's in the way. We're going to have to be willing to put more pots out than ever before to catch the glory. My God. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you this question. Are you praying for just what you know you need? Or are you praying for more? Because I can tell you when I lay before the Lord and I pray over this church and the staff and I pray over my pastors, I pray over my family, I'm not asking God to meet the needs of the current. I'm asking God to set up a legacy in this house that will be remembered forever. I'm asking God to raise up a son who will step on platforms greater than anything I've ever walked on in my life. I'm asking God to bless me so much financially for one reason. I want to fund the kingdom. I want to I walk into a church plant that's barely making it and be able to write a check. But I have not made margin for God to do that in my life. And I wonder how many people are in this room. You have not made margin in your prayer life for God to do the incredible. You have not brought him a cup worthy of what he can pour out. Because as long as you bring a cup to him, he will continue to pour and pour. And for 33 years, he poured. And for 333 years, he's going to pour more on this house, more favor, more power, more anointing, more salvations, clearly more baptisms. We didn't even plan for enough. And in this season, are you asking God for more? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. I'm just going to take a quick moment. If you're on the prayer team, just come and line up in the front like we did earlier. I know we already had a time to pray, but I just feel the Lord right now that somebody in this house is in a state of need. 
I believe two people are two types of people in here. I believe there's people who are in need of financial help. Like you, you need God to either give you the wisdom to get out of it or supernaturally touch it. And I believe you've been asking God to pay one hospital bill, two hospital bills, and God's trying to set you up with a strategy to come out. But you haven't brought to him a jar. Then I believe there's people in here, there's, some, there's a fam, several families in here, you're praying over children who don't know the Lord. And you're praying that the Lord would save them and bring them home, right? And that's not a bad prayer, don't get me wrong. But I believe God wants to do more than just save them. I believe he wants to use them, but he wants you to ask.